Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's May 28th, 1993. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Arian, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. By rights, Super Mario Brothers the movie should have been huge, and hear me out. It's based on one of the most popular characters of the era. It starred Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper. The production design was by the guy who did Blade Runner. Music was by the guy who did Back to the Future, and it was distributed by Disney. How was this not a smash hit movie? Probably because it was the first ever video game movie. And it's weird looking back because even though most of them have sucked, there have been a lot of video game movies since. It's weird to think there was a time when it hadn't been done before. And the question was, how do you do a video game movie? What's it supposed to be about? That that was really a fundamental question that they had to start off with. was like, what should this movie be about? And the final result shows that they never really came to an answer. Obviously, the Mario video games offer a little bit of a blank slate because basically the game is you've got a plumber, he's running through a landscape, he's he's bopping the heads of turtle dinosaur creatures and he's trying to get to a flag and save a princess. So far, stick Bob Hoskins in that, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is that they've spent so much time looking for a plot and looking for an angle and being influenced by so many different sort of stylistic trends and different writers because they ended up firing them and had a few directors. It was almost the fact that they started with such a, a blank slate that caused all the problems they couldn't decide whether it was going to be an adult movie an adult movie we've all seen those those films when a plumber comes round to save a princess from distress <laughs> a mustachioed plumber well weirdly i mean in the, in some of the early filming they ended up doing some scenes that were in strip clubs and they had quite a lot oh, of sexual okay. overtones and this was kind of p- before disney came on board as the distributor but there was just so many influences that were working on it that that probably actually is the reason why it didn't work but in terms of what the plot is you basically have mario and luigi two brothers who have through very convoluted means stumbled upon this alternative version of the current day world where the dinosaurs didn't go extinct but continued to evolve into human form and for some reason have built a replica version of manhattan right and it's called dino hatton i mean it's not even a play on words (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting what you say rebecca about like this is the first video game movie so they were struggling around to see you know how do you translate that into film but i actually think it's more informative to think about it as a spin-off brand spin-off brands had been done before like mars ice cream existed yeah and when you make mars ice cream you say what is it about a mars bar that if we translated it into a chalk ice would still be a mars bar and the answer is it turns out a bit of caramel on top of the ice cream it's still a mars bar right <laughs> if you look at super mario brothers what do people love about this brand bright colors we won't do that joy no we're gonna kill that animated no live action please jumping no we're not gonna have any jumping japanese culture no i think when you look into the production history it's really obvious that from the start the problem was weirdly was people overthinking 
the mm. franchise. Whereas you'd feel like underthinking would be so much more of a risk for making a video game film. Mm. So the first screenplay draft was by Barry Morrow, who had just won an Oscar for Rain Man. He had a vision for a road trip movie, which was so similar to Rain Man that it was nicknamed Drain Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they went through quite a few writers. Do you guys know who else was brought in to have a go at this very troubled script? Willie Russell. <laughs> no, but not a million miles away. It was Dick Clement and Ian Lafrene, who you may remember as the creators of Porridge and The Likely Lads. And it's also what's weird about the actual production as well is that they'd got the set built and they were still reworking the script and even day to day there'd be new versions of the script being thrown around torn up rewritten by the directors refused by the actors so I think that is definitely part of the problem of what the film ended up as it's interesting that none of us have criticized the casting of Bob Hoskins though I think all of us can still acknowledge I mean he's a great actor and at the time, he was kind of hot in kids' movies as well because he'd just done Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And Hook. And, yeah, it should have worked, shouldn't it? Yeah, and I think he could have done a really good job if the tone was more in the vein of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But in the end, they decided to go for a tone that was more modelled off the 1989 Batman and the then-recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. And Total Recall. I mean, like, I, I, I was interested when you said that's the guy involved in Total Recall done that, but I mean, like, literally, it couldn't be more different as an aesthetic, could it? Like, what did I love about playing Super Mario Land on my Game Boy? Nothing to do with Total Recall. Like, no, at no point did I think a dystopia of New York built around dinosaurs. Never. One of the interesting things, though, is that there's a sort of modern apologetic thread to people's reappraisal of the film. And it's now got sort of a, a surprising cult following of people who kind of go, actually, it's not as bad maybe as we thought it was. And really, realistically, according to some of the stuff that I was reading, you know, if you're going to go into a video game adaptation of a film expecting something that's going to resemble good cinema, then you're going in with the wrong attitude anyway. And really, subsequently, there haven't been any other good video game adaptions of any significance. I let me stop you there, because there is one and one only video game movie that has a score of more than 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Is that the benchmark? More than 50%? Well, I had to set the benchmark lower and lower. If it's a GCSE, that's a D. <laughs> yeah, well, you, there is only one that meets the two benchmarks of over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and more than 50 out of 100 on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. And that is Detective Pikachu, which is Nintendo's second ever Hollywood adaptation after the disaster of Super Mario Brothers. They decided not to do any more. They came back with Detective Pikachu. I feel like nowadays people understand the value of these big brands and the value of fandom, don't they? And they're just, it's almost like if it's really bad, it's almost better to burn it than release it. I think that we're in a cultural moment, maybe, where we can appreciate things that are tongue in cheek and ironic. Yeah. I mean, look at the Lego movie. That should have been terrible. And actually, even the Playmobil movie, which should have been even worse because it's effectively a ripoff of the Lego movie. (laughs) But you can now do cynical brand-based stuff that actually you know you just you go to creative people and you say do something good don't you you don't say let's make total recall for kids with john leguizamo in a video game you're controlling the action so in a movie there's no plot that can perfectly replicate what the feeling of playing in a game it's Mm. more capturing how you feel when you're playing it which super mario brothers literally could not have done worse that's such a good point it's taking away one of the very things the pillars of interest in the original product, which is interactivity. Mm. Someone else is deciding what's going to happen. And equally, I think that problem of trying to give a full life story and backstory to characters who are up until that point 
a blank slate is problematic. And I saw this quote from Ray Hatayama, who's the inventor of Hello Kitty, which is obviously just this sort of kitten-shaped cutesy thing that has no story whatsoever. And he said that the success of Mario, which he likened to the success of Hello Kitty, was akin to the sale of rice. As in, if you have rice as a product, you can sell it all around the world and every culture can superimpose their own flavors and spices and whatever and make it their own. And I think that, that what he was trying to say was that Super Mario, up until that point, up until the movie, mm. he was just a guy who sort of popped around trying to beat Donkey Kong or King Cooper or whoever it was. And they had to try to create this whole plot. And that was sort of the death of the movie even before they started. And it was almost the death of Bob Hoskins because he really went <laughs> through the wars during the making of this film. He broke a finger. He was stabbed four times, electrocuted <laughs> and almost drowned. Wow. Which may partly be because he and Leguizamo took to drinking at the start of the day and then any time there was a break in takes. Uh, so he may have only had himself to blame for all of those near-death experiences. <laughs> I also just think as a guiding principle, like when you're deciding whether or not it should be animated, computer animated or acted out with real humans, like put someone in the outfit as a screen test and see how ridiculous do they look. Because actually <laughs> it should have been obvious like it would be with Hello Kitty. Actually, like, however kind of seemingly perfect Bob Hoskins is for the role of Mario, anyone looks completely implausible wearing bright red dungarees. And so as soon as you have a plumber that can't wear bright red dungarees, and that's basically all we know about the plumber, he has a moustache and bright red dungarees, then you have to put him in a different costume. Then it isn't the film anymore, is it? Like, it should be animated. Yeah. 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 I mean, so many of their decisions, they had to do weird stuff to jam in references to the actual game. So Yoshi went from being a cute green dinosaur to this hideous little yellow raptor creature. Mm. Um, Big Bertha, who's the fish that tries to eat you in the game, became a club bouncer who flirts with Mario when he turns up at the club. Toad went from being the guy that we know into a punk rocker. I mean, it's what all the 11-year-olds would have wanted in 1993, isn't it? I mean, what's astonishing as well is how well Mario came out of this absolute travesty. It, it didn't damage the brand. Weirdly, you know, the, the series just kept on running and there's still iterations of Mario that keep capturing the imagination and keep doing enormous business. The, it is the biggest selling video game of all time with 30 billion in revenue worldwide, which is bigger, by the way, than Call of Duty, Halo, The Legend of Zelda, Minecraft and Fortnite put together. So it's just wow. a massive video game. So yeah. it's sort of astonishing that a film that was that bad didn't damage the brand. So it's total dissimilarity to the franchise turned out to be the best thing about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and actually, arguably, Mario did make it back to the big screen in the form of Vin Diesel. I mean, there's no moustache, but the Fast and the Furious is Super Mario Kart, isn't it? <laughs> Tomorrow. Not to imply anything about Dr. Kellogg, but he was also incredibly obsessed with enemas. Hmm. Love the show? Support the show! Patreon.com slash Retrospectors! Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.